everyone. Welcome to the Journeyman Fire podcast. Uh, today with me, I'm lucky enough to have Javier Ricci. He's a captain at Engine 9 in Stockton, California. I met Javier at the Into the Job conference at Wichita. He did a presentation, but we ended up talking at the pump house and uh, kind of hit it off. And he was cool enough to tell me all about Stockton and answer all my questions that I had. And I had a ton of them. We got into some conversations and, and subsequent texts on sharing manuals. Uh, you know, I'll know that I've been working on a manual for my own department, um, but that wasn't my own creation. I reached out to everybody to try to find best practices and Javier definitely helped share what they had. Uh, so uh, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation I got to have with Javier. Uh, thanks, Grant. Um, so my name is Javier Ricci. I'm a veteran of the Stockton Fire Department. I've been there about uh, 14 years. Um, I started off in Sacramento County in a small rural department and was lucky enough after uh, two years to get hired in Stockton. Um, I worked uh, uh, Engine 3 initially uh, as a two-man and then uh, in 2011 we were laid off. They laid off uh, 36 firemen. Um, bunch of us went to different departments uh, a large group of us ended up in Contra Costa County um, it was about 16 of us and of the 16 I think 12 returned um, after returning um, I started I think they put me on engine 7 for a little bit and then I was able to bump over to truck 7 um, which later moved to truck 4 um, I got uh, called down to the downtown truck for, for a bit I was a two man on uh, truck two later promoted or not promoted, but later given the uh, position of uh, Tillerman on truck two. And um, out of there, I promoted to uh, driver on engine nine. And then I was lucky enough to um, promote to captain and remain on engine nine. So um, I've been with uh, some, some fairly uh, busy companies. I've been uh, assigned to the rescue company um, um, on just about, every truck in the city, uh, except for truck three. Um, and, uh, definitely one of the busier, uh, engine companies in, in our city. In engine nine. For those that, for those that don't know much about Stockton, can you give us a little background on your department and, and, you know, stations and yeah. personnel and runs and whatnot? Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, we like to say it's the busiest, uh, 12 station department in the country. Um, it's just, uh, it's a small department, um, in a, uh, medium sized city, I'd say, uh, 350,000 folks, uh, between the city and, uh, county pockets. Um, so there's 12 stations, 12 engines, uh, three truck companies. And like I said, in 2011, we had the layoffs. We also closed, uh, an engine company and closed the truck company. We lost a fourth off the engine and a fifth off the truck. So our operations changed quite a bit. It was a little, little depressing too, as, as we're preparing to be laid off. And, uh, many of us were laid off for two years. Um, um, as we're preparing to be laid off, um, we had to, uh, endure practicing, um, you know, our operations as a three man engine company or as a four man truck company. So, uh, they were going, the department was going through, through those, uh, training sessions at, you know, in the, in the weeks leading up to being laid off. So we had to endure that. Uh, but, um, anybody that wanted to come back did come back after, 
working somewhere else. Um, it's a uh, it's a pretty poor city. Uh, we're I think we're the largest uh, municipality to go through bankruptcy in um, 2011. Um, it's uh, a city that was you know formed around the gold rush era. Um, it's uh, one of the deepest inland ports in California. Um, so you've seen um, you've seen an influx of uh, people coming from San Francisco to Stockton uh, via the deep water channel uh, and then riding you know wagon trains up to Sacramento during the gold rush and, and that whole influence. Um, it's an old city, um, beautiful uh, building construction. I mean, we've got some of the uh, just most gorgeous Queen Anne uh, Victorians um, uh, around my district. Um, a ton of, in my district, we've got a ton of uh, three-story and four-story walk-ups. Um, definitely uh, has an old feel to, to the center of Stockton, um, which is uh, Engine 9's district. Um, it's a violent city. Um, it's, it's been at the top of many lists in terms of violence, um, crime. I think there's an average of, uh, I heard one stat, there's an average of 10, um, hit and runs or vehicle versus peds, uh, a day. Uh, so you can imagine you don't invite uh, your family to come visit you too often. Uh, for fear of uh, uh, being in an accident and just left for whatever uh, whatever state they're in, you know. Um, what else could I say? Um, the uh, we we've definitely um, gone through through some growing pains and and reduction of staffing. Um, it's really feel like it's it's criminal uh, uh, working at this level of uh staffing uh we're absolutely cut to the bone um call volume as far as call volume goes um we range between 50 to almost 60,000 calls a year um about 350 structure fires a year i think to date we're about uh, 150 structure fires uh, my engine is is uh, very busy uh, it's about 6,000 calls a year um, so I think yesterday we ran 21, um, up a bunch of times after, after midnight or going to bed. Um, um, what else could I say? What kind of shift uh, schedule you guys work there? Uh, 4896. Um, uh, you know, in spite of all that, um, the guys I work with and the, the reason I came back after, uh, being laid off, um, the guys I work with are incredible, and, the, and those are the reasons why I came back after two years. Um, absolutely love the city I work for, uh, in terms of um, the people I work with. Um, they're second to none. So um, all of them have a great sense of pride and a great sense of um, making our department better than they found it. So how do you guys fit training in? You got. 20 run 21 runs a day ish uh almost a fire day when i saw your yeah. presentation in wichita i was impressed that uh the training that you you guys are getting done talk about talk a little bit about that how you do that as a captain um so let me let me just start a little bit just touch a little bit about our academy i 
I think one of the unique things about um, our department is um, in the academy, um, many times uh, we'll bring the cadets or the recruits out to the streets and we'll, we'll obviously go through the, the vanilla stuff, you know, on the training ground. We have a great facility, um, second to none. Um, they'll learn all the vanilla steps, uh, the basics. And then once we feel comfortable with them at what level they're at, uh, we'll change it up a little bit. And it's funny how, you know, a change of scenery um, makes them just uh, lose everything that we've taught them, basically. Uh, you know, they, they get that tunnel vision and they can't see uh, or forecast the mistakes that are in front of them or the obstacles in front of them. Uh, so it's, I think that's a great um, perspective to, to learn as a new recruit, actually drilling in the streets that you're going to be working in. So this academy that we just graduated, um, honestly, I've started running out of places to take them because we hit so many. And that just gave them a great experience level. Um, so, you know, their level of confidence when they hit the street should be uh, right where it needs to be. Um, their problem-solving ability is right where it needs to be. Um, so we're rooted in that, in getting in the streets and stretching lines in the buildings we work in. Um, as far as uh, company drills, um, we just get it in. Um, I try and I try and do it early. Uh, we'll get out about ten o'clock every morning, um, no matter what we got going on, and we'll we'll stretch a line. We'll um, we'll throw ladders, um, catch water supplies. I'll try and throw some curveballs at my company and uh, make them think, you know, we might, we might uh, park right on top of a hydrant um, and say, figure it out. You know, I need, we need a water supply. Uh, so they've got to figure out, you know, what the, the best approach for that problem is and problem solve that. Um, and uh, so the way we'll do it is we'll, we'll radio, uh, we stay in service. We'll radio uh, our dispatch and say, hey, give us a pre-alert if a box comes in. Um, let us know that it's, you know, north or south or in our district. And they will. And um, from there, we'll just take the, the essentials. We'll, we'll leave hose behind. We'll, we'll take the appliances and the nozzles and, and come back and, uh, you know, if it's five inch on the ground, I don't think anybody's going to take off with our five inch. Um, if it's a, a live line or you might call a cross lay, um, you know, we can easily throw that in the back of an engine and, and respond. We're already dressed anyway, cause we're drilling. So, um, we just make it happen. Um, and, uh, I, I think we all understand how, you know, no matter how busy we are, uh, we all understand how important training is, um, and, and refining the skills and working on those, um, problem solving abilities and firemanship qualities. That's cool. I, it seems like a lot of people struggle with either getting their crews to train because they're not getting enough work to see the value in getting that training done or, or the flip side that guys are getting so much work that they're like, Hey, why do we got to drill on this? Cause we're going to get a fire later today and we'll get our sets and reps in. So I, I feel like you hit a unique uh, rate in that middle. Uh, do you have to deal with any kind of tougher, uh, you know, mindsets in that or, or run into any obstacles or. You know, I, I'm sure the, the older companies um, um, may have some less impactful drills, you know, they might do, but they still get out and walk their districts and game plan and, you know, um, something I, there's a quote out there, uh, 
I think uh, it was Tommy Brennan that said it. Uh, if you haven't already thought about it, you've already spent too much time thinking. And I absolutely love that. Um, you, uh, I believe in that. Uh, so even if uh, the older companies uh, may not be stretching as often, uh, I know they're thinking about it. I know they're getting out there and walking their districts and they're familiar with it. I know they're refining their, um, their plan A, their plan B, and their plan C. Um, so we, no, we don't run into too much resistance. It's a, it's a cultural thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, your engine, uh, your engine manual and your truck manual. Where, where's all that information yeah. come from for you guys? Um, you know, as far as the engine manual goes, um, uh, then captain, uh, went, went and, uh, it was a captain on engine four. He's seen a need to memorialize it. Uh, what we do, we don't have a ton of, uh, uh, policies and procedures. Um, I think there's seven that are, uh, fire ground based. There's a ICS policy. There's a, a rig policy, a two and two out safety officer, um, air management. Um, there may be another uh, one or two that I'm forgetting, but that's about it. So there's really no, we're not a policy driven department. Um, what we have, um, and what was not memorialized up until I want to say five or six years ago is what's the, the, um, the guidelines that you find in our engine ops manual. Um, and so chief went and, uh, grabbed a, you know, a handful of guys and, and picked topics and said, okay, what do we do in these situations? And, uh, what's our, our, um, what's our plan in these situations and, uh, different guys picked different topics. Chief went and refined it and put it on paper. It's been, it's been revised, I think twice. Uh, I think it's currently going through a revision. And it's planned to be just a living document that we constantly improve. Um, the truck ops manual, uh, Chief Lewis uh, took the, the reins on that one and, and again, um, was able to um, grab a select few uh, members to pick a topic and put it on paper. That document, um, admittedly, I think we rushed uh, just to get on paper, but knew that at some point when we have time we'll go back and refine it as well um so it's i think the truck manual is not quite where we want it um and um not as refined as the engine ops manual i, I really like the engine ops manual um but it's all based you know all of those guidelines are all based in simplicity um what what we do not necessarily what what the book says to do or the rest of the country says to do what works for us it's what we've done you know way before i came here this is all i know you know it's what it's what i was taught to me um somehow i was taught verbally and you know five six years ago we decided we better memorialize this and put it on paper where does that fit in your organization as far as like a uh, training document or do you guys test off of that for promotions or is it just there as a reference no, it's, it's tested, uh, and all our pr promotional tests, it's involved in a large part of it, um, is on the engine option training, or truck manual, um, in our engineers test in our captain's test and our battalion chief's test, uh, it's all 
a large part of uh, that testing process. And, uh, and there, there is a, also a, a training manual uh, that, you know, the recruits will work off of and will refer to, you know, on certain drills. Um, but uh, we test to the engine ops and, and truck ops manuals. So as a department, I can see the value in having guys actually study the stuff that they're going to do. You only get guys that are going to study a couple times. That's when they want to get off probation or get promoted. And uh, it's a shame when we pick horrible documents uh, or, you know, you know, published, uh, published books that don't necessarily relate to your own department uh, that they're wasting time on that. So I love that you guys do that. Yeah. And it's, it's that way um, with a lot of things. Um, we don't, we don't necessarily buy into a lot of stuff that IFSTA says, or um, we, we, we tried this, the, the ALA Academy, um, and it, we felt restricted. Um, this last Academy was started off in, as an ALA Academy and it lengthened things uh, longer than we wanted. And we felt like, um, you know, we have a standard. Why are we testing to the state standard? Um, which, um, which is, is fine. It's just not what we do. Um, and, you know, based on the time frame we needed these, these kids to hit the streets, uh, we decided to get away from it. So you because served as the academy, you, you served as the academy director for a little while and just came off of that assignment. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with how California works and whatnot, when people come into your academy, do you, are they already state certified firefighters or does your academy give them fire one and fire two and all that? So fire one and fire two is not a requirement for our department. So that, that was a, a big question mark for us. Why, why are we, um, why are we moving to an ALA Academy? Um, when firefighter one and firefighter two are not our standard, our standard is what, the way we do it. Um, and, and what works for us. So that was, that was, that was a big inner fight or inner conversation with our department. Why are we going down this road? It, it's taking more effort. It's taking time away from stretching hose, throwing ladders, forcing doors, learning how to search, um, and going through these tests that uh, we've already, we have our own competency tests uh, that are timed. Um, so why are we doubling the effort just to come up with this certificate? Um, so did your standards exceed then the, what the minimum requirements for fire one and fire two are, or what's your academy length and, and that type of stuff? Uh, we, we usually run about a, well, we've had a couple lateral academies, uh, that have run about 10 weeks. Um, our entry level academy, depending on whether they're a paramedic or not run between 16 and 18 weeks. Um, not, not knowing, uh, what I don't know going into, um, uh, an ALA academy, um, we plotted it out for, I think it was 22 or 20, yeah, 22 weeks. Um, because of the, the, the extra days for, for state testing and state um, training. Um, and it, it, it was just uh, in our current uh, staffing crisis, and we're in a crisis right now, um, it was just too long. 
Um, guys are being mandated. Morale's low. Um, we're, we started browning out uh, two very engine, busy engine companies um, about June. And the bosses looked around and said, what can we do? And came to us and said, is there any way we could get these guys out on the street um, and, and give some relief? And um, so we did that. We, uh, we shaved it down a month. We got them out early. Um, I feel very good about the product we put out uh, because we front loaded this, the Academy with uh, the Stockton uh, standards and got through that. And then we were going to revisit the state stuff towards the end. Um, so um, re reworked the schedule. And I think, uh, I mean, we put out, there's nine, we started with 17 and uh, we put out nine, uh, nine hammers, nine really good recruits. You said you started out this last Academy with 17 ended up with nine. How does, how's that happen? How's somebody not make the cut, you know, through the Academy or what, what kind of stuff are you looking for when you're hiring so, people and seeing if they can stick it out? Yeah. So this was a unique uh, situation for me. Um, I was actually involved in the interviews. So I, I interviewed these guys, um, asked them the questions and dug deeper. If I thought something needed to be, um, picked away at um thought we came up with the best 18 candidates one one backed out at the last minute um so we ended up with 17 starting four i believe it was four actually quit on their own um one uh i think um one factor i think uh in their minds was um this may not be for me uh another factor i think in their minds was uh i'm on the fence here i don't know that i'm gonna make it out of this academy uh maybe i gotta quit now um and then there was another uh kid that just left for a larger department and better pay and um that's gonna happen we don't we don't have the best pay um we don't have the best um support from the city um, um it's it's a grind, you know, and when you look at where you want to work, some people um, don't always choose the department that goes to fires. Some people choose mo monetary reasons over others or longevity uh, over others where you can, where you can work 30 years. Cause in California now, these kids got to work till they're 57. Um, that's a long time to work in the system. So there's a lot to consider there. Uh, so I think there was four, maybe even five that quit on their own. Um, there were a, a number of others that were fired uh, for poor performance and it mostly stemmed from um, being out of shape. So when you come to a fire academy, no matter where you're going, don't just get off the couch um, and show up. You've got to put months of work into conditioning your body to carry the weight that's required uh, and perform the tasks that's required. Um, and then the last piece I think is just the problem solving ability and being able to learn something at a, at a rapid pace. And uh, once you learn it, be able to solve the problems with the skills that you've learned. And not everybody is successful at doing that. Nice. Take us through what that 16 week Stockton way 
like what's that curriculum look like? What are you drilling on during that time? Um, I'm just the basics. Uh, you know, we really we got away from teaching. Um, you know, the low angle confined space uh, RS1 uh, classes that that I received in 2008. Um, we got away from that um, and just folks focused on the basics. Um, we try to make things as realistic as possible. Obviously, we start off very uh, generic and vanilla um, with STBA, hose, ladders, um, forcible entry. Um, once we feel like uh, they've got down the basics, they understand the basics of, of the skills, we'll start um, picking up the tempo a little bit. Um, We'll start uh, using our our props a little bit more. Um, we've got some phenomenal props. Um, some uh, quite a few. Uh, we have got a single story uh, Connex that's compartmentalized pretty well with some some of the best forceful entry doors I've seen. And we just uh, the guys that that built the props. Um, they just built them into the Connex, um, Connex boxes, you know, framed them out, um, skinned a door. And, um, uh, you know, once they learn how to force doors, they start learning how to force doors in the dark, identifying inward, outward swinging, left, uh, left, left swing or right swinging doors in the dark, identifying and going through their progression uh, in the dark. We've got some, some areas that they can work on uh, forcing doors uh, at the top of the staircase or the bottom of the staircase, which completely changes everything that they've learned on the asphalt in the daylight. So it's, it's fun. So we, you know, we start from the easy and get more complex with everything. Um, the biggest thing I think uh, that makes Stockton unique, I think in teaching an academy is uh, hose and ladders. Um, our hose load is, is fairly unique. It's um, it's 75 feet uh, flat loaded in three rows, and um, two stacks, two accordion stacks on top of that. Um, there's four ways that we pull it: uh, a straight pull, a, a, a three-point pull, a cross-country pull, and a modified cross-country pull. And they all have their place in when you would use that particular pull. Um, for an objective, depending on setback, depending on um, whether you're going around a blind corner, upstairs, um, garden style apartment. Um, so the hoseman has to make a decision on not only, oh, we also run an uh, inch and a half, an inch and three quarter. So the, although not right away, uh, but we, we definitely work towards, you know, the hoseman making the, the decision on whether we're stretching inch and a half or inch and three quarter, whether we're stretching or how, how we're stretching it uh, and where we're stretching it. And so we'll work on all those decision-making processes uh, in the academy as well. Once they hit the line, we'll tighten the reins up on a little, a little bit and guide their decision-making um, on the fire ground, but encourage it on the training ground to start making decisions and being thinking firemen. It's unique that you guys got inch and a half and inch and three quarter. Can you talk us through when you would have guys pull which line in which situations? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, our inch and a half at 175 pounds flows 160 GPM. So you can put a lot of fire out with 160 GPM um, properly managed. Um, so, you know, if, if it looks like light smoke, it's limited to one or two rooms, um, we'll pull an inch and a half. If it looks like it's in the attic, um, depending on uh, how much of the attic is involved or um, how fast I think we can get to the attic, um, because that's process too, um, we will probably pull an inch and a half because it's, it's easier to maneuver. And when we're getting the attic, so we, let me back up a little bit. Um, one of the, well, there's a lot of principles that we believe in, like, right? So one of the things we often say is, you know, uh, we need to get an attic ladder and a pike pole to the front door. Or if it's above ground, we want an attic ladder and a pike pole to the floor below or somewhere near the fire floor. Um, just reduce friction at that transition point, right? Once we get the fire knocked down, we want to start looking for extension. If I got to run three flights down to the rig to look for an attic ladder or a pike pole, that just, that just increases our reflex time to get up in that attic once the room is knocked down. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely stretch an uh, inch and a half for you know, one to two rooms, small attic fires, uh, because it's more maneuverable. And we're, we're actually getting up. Our goal is to get up in that attic, get on plane and put the fire up out on plane in the attic. Um, as far as inch and three quarter, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, fires put out um, with an inch and three quarter line that maybe some people might choose to pull a two and a half. Um, and just be depending on um, uh, the extent of that fire, you know, um, they got 175 pounds. Um, our inch and three quarters flowing about 185 GPM. Um, and that's all tested. We've, we've flow tested them. We've got the digital flow testers. Um, unfortunately we, I'd love to have some experience with smooth boards, but we don't, we don't have smooth boards. We, we just run, uh, um, automatic fog nozzles, low pressure, 55 pound, um, uh, TFT nozzles. Um, and so all those pressures in GPM are, are flow tested and, and inaccurate. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of faith in the inch and a half. Um, so with an inch and three quarter, you know, if we're looking at uh, more than one or two rooms, um, then we're, we start thinking inch and three quarter. And then of course with uh, two and a half, we use the same acronym that everybody else does in, in adults. Very cool. You, you started jumping in a little bit on uh, how you guys are fighting house fires. I think everybody sees all the videos from you guys and you're just like straight up aggressive. Can you walk me through like the average, you know, single family house fire, uh, what your, what your plan is, what your playbook looks like? Yeah. Um, I, just, uh, I want to start from the beginning though. I, I like to just talk about the Academy and, and how we teach our guys. Um, that fire ground pace because it, it starts there. Um, we really uh, we really encourage fast. Well, we re really 
encourage initiative on the fire ground, right? Um, take initiative. Um, so in the academy, we are, the, the more sets and reps we could get in the academy, the better off we are. So what, what does that mean? So we, we, uh, we stretch and do our drill. And then as soon as it's over, the guys that aren't in the drill have to reset quickly. Um, and if they're not resetting quickly, we motivate them to re reset quickly. And it, we really condition our members to, um, to work just as hard resetting as they do doing the drill. Um, that translates to the fire round. Um, we, put, we put a fire out, uh, we get it under control, and it's time to take up. We're working just as hard taking up as we are um, when the bell sounds. It's a busy system. It's not uncommon to go to more than one fire a day. Um, we are task saturated and um, and stretched in. So it's important to you know if if companies aren't needed at that scene, we'll cut them loose as fast as we can proactively. Um, we'll do reduce alarms down to two engines in a truck or whatever's appropriate. Um, just to keep things moving. Um, as far as the first alarm goes, <clears throat> I don't know if a lot of people have picked up on it, but we don't have a lot of uh, battalion chief um, direction on a first alarm fire. Our captains really drive incidents. Our captains really drive our department. Um, there's a lot of trust that's built into those captains. And it starts in the academy and the expectations and the trust that is built into those recruits through initiative uh, and the trust that's built with their companies when they're sent out to companies and the trust uh, as when they're drivers um, and, and we're able to perform this way, I think, because um, uh, that it's continued at the captain's rank and the trust that the battalion chiefs give us in running our incidents and so we don't um our first two captains do not separate for from their companies to to set up ic they'll establish a informal ic um and pass it to the first two battalion chief in our system uh our first two battalion chief is pretty much right behind us um everybody's kind of stacked up on top of each other downtown um and the outlying companies up north, it's a little, it takes a little bit longer. If a battalion chief is delayed, the third due captain will take command until a, a battalion chief shows up. And so what, what helps our, uh, I think what helps our fire ground pace is we have riding assignments and roles on arrival. So first due, first due uh, engine is going, going to size the problem up, give a can report, tell everybody what they have and what they need. Um, you might hear us talk about um, uh, first May, second must. So again, that's one of those just fire ground principles that we have that speed up and reduce communication. A lot of our, you'll notice on the radio, a lot of our communication is just through uh, pertinent negatives. You know, if I, if I can't 
if, if forcible entry is delayed, we're going to say that, you know, if, um, if I can't um, make access to the roof right away or ventilation is delayed, we're going to say that. Um, the first two captain in his size up is going to say, he's stretching on what he has, what he's doing and what he needs. Um, if he can handle his own water supply, he's going to take care of it. If this driver can handle his own water supply, he's going to take care of it. And many times we do. Um, but that saying, uh, first may second must, um, the second due driver, uh, if the, he's going to check in and make sure that that first due, um, engine has a water supply. And if they don't second due driver is going to be dedicated to getting that water supply. So there's not a whole lot of conversation of, you know, this, you know, this engine needs to catch a water supply and that communication goes to that point and back and just waste time. There's, we, we know we need a water supply. You know, if it's a working fire, we know it's, we need a water supply. So some communications um, reduced in, in that aspect. Um, the second do, again, is gonna confirm water supply is established and then um, they're going to look to assist the first line if that first line needs assistance because that's the ultimate importance right is getting that water on the fire quickly um, and, and and start start taking action so um, if the first two engine can handle the stretch on their own great second two is going to either depending on what's going on um handle an exposure grab a, an additional line or use it as a backup line to support the first do um the third do like i said if the chief's delayed they might set, set up command or establish formal command um more times than not um they're not doing that because uh very very few and far between are are one of our two two chiefs delayed. So we'll usually have them to, to uh, set up formal command and take care of accountability. Um, third do is going to, um, you know, support whatever the first and second need. If it's uh, an additional line, if it's uh, an exposure line, um, if it's assisting the truck with uh, search, um, that's something we're starting to see more often, especially up north, um, because we lost that truck company in 2011. We only have one truck north, um, and it's an area of, uh, I want to say, 95 square miles. So it's a huge area. Um, so um, I think our truck captains up north are, are keeping that, that third due engine in their pocket. Um, to assist with search if need be, uh, because they know that the second due truck is delayed because of distance. Uh, they're usually 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes out from giving support. So that really, that, that first due truck company up north or truck captain up north, um, he really has a lot to process, um, but we have no problem you know, grabbing an engine company and helping with search. Um, and then our fourth due engine is Rick. Uh, typically, uh, they'll catch utilities. Um, 
they're an active rick uh they're throwing ladders um they've got a, a rick pack set up we don't have a hose line set up our our, our thought is we want to get to um we want to get to where the members are down quickly and uh most times a, ho a hose line is going to slow that process down um so they're going to bring air with them and they're going to utilize hose lines um close by or we'll back up the rig company with another company and, and stretch line behind them um the first two truck they'll typically uh they've got a couple options they can they can go all in all up or they'll split two uh two up and two in um i think the first two truck up uh, truck officer can can do a lot to set up the incident uh to set up the second do truck on give some direction on how to approach the scene and, and get their second aerial uh close to the scene as possible if if a first do truck company is oh in, in addition uh that first do truck company should be giving um the second do truck officer an idea of what they're doing and what they need out of them out of the second do truck so that communication is basically a, i would call it just a, a truck size up it should be happening on every fire um and um if if it looks like uh the first do truck they're they're first right they're going to get the best parking spot the, the the second do truck may not have the opportunity um the first do truck has it in terms of parking so if a first do truck is going all all in for search um that aerial is positioned to be thrown um and can be thrown by the second do truck something that we've all we've talked about and we learned um i think at uh is a somerset apartment fire um there was a video out a couple months back um and truck three was the second do truck they went all up uh we only had one aerial uh thrown uh for a long period of time to that roof um because nobody went back and th threw the uh the first two trucks aerial we're like i said we're strapped um losing the fifth guy on the truck really affects our uh, above ground fires uh we don't have that um engineer that's gonna or truck driver that's gonna stay at the pedestal and um and do all all those outside functions from the pedestal um so that that second do aerial was was really delayed and something we talked about um was you know we focused so much on a second do driver engine driver helping um with the water supply or being a, a supportive role to that first dude driver there's no reason why that second dude dri engine driver can't jump over to a truck that's positioned to be thrown throw the aerial so that we get a, a secondary ladder thrown to the roof so that's that's something that we kind of um have been discussing and a takeaway we we had at a fire recently so um so we talked about positioning for first do second do uh all in um you know the re the reasons to go all in right is um 
there's, there's people inside. We're prioritizing the search. Um, there's more than one floor to be searched, large area uh, to be searched. So the first two truck will split. If they're going all in, the captain and the two men who sits behind him um, will search the fire floor. Um, the, the driver and the tillerman will search the floor above. Um, whoever's done first, uh, we'll get to the, to the top floor and search that. Um, or we, again, we can use a, an engine company to search as well. Um, if we're going all up first do, uh, it's probably a big commercial roof that we need four people. Although you'll notice on our videos, there's quite a few commercial roofs that we will cut on, um, with just two people and it's, it's not right. Um, we should probably have four, um, but because it's likely in the North Battalion where there's only one truck company, we're trying to do more with less. And like I said, we're, we're task saturated. Um, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's the hand we're given. Um, and so what you'll see us do most times is splitting as a first two truck. Um, we prioritize uh forcible entry and search so the captain and the two men they're dressed right the driver likely is just driving without a coat on a lot of drivers like to drive without their coats on the tillerman might have uh bunkers in a, in a coat on but the two of them still need to get dressed so um they're the outside team they're going to go up to the roof and vent um so the priority prior tour having a hard time saying that Prioritization is forcible entry in search with the first two truck companies splitting two into it. Uh, and you'll, you'll notice if you listen to the radio traffic, there's not a whole lot of direction um, by the battalion chief on who's, who's doing what. The, as the captains are, arrive, they've listened to the first two captain size up based on the arrival. They're letting the chief know what they're doing um the chief is keeping accountability paying attention to where they're going paying attention to geographical changes uh if they're going from the first floor to the second floor um they're the chief is determining if there's enough resources on scene if the incident needs to grow and i think one of the most important things that they're doing um and they have the um the ability to do better because the captains are driving the, the first alarm assignment. The battalion chiefs um, are freed up to handle the incidents within the incidents because they're not so much um, engrossed in, in minutia of a first alarm assignment. Um, they don't really, um, they don't really uh, start really working i think uh until a second alarm third alarm or there's an incident with an incident um they do have a chief's operator that helps with accountability so that takes some stuff off their plate but um i, I think you see our, our chiefs do a really good job when we have that incident within an incident because they're not bogged down in uh first assignment duties they're able to address it right away and mitigate it as fast as possible 
That's cool. Uh, yeah, do you think from all the sets and reps you guys are going, uh, that it's just kind of running, you're running the play and they can look yeah. for the, the chances when they need to audible out uh, when something's not going to work. Um, so you being a captain, you also being in the academy, uh, acquainted with the, the new hires as they come on. If I'm the new hire and I'm coming to your rig for the day, um, what are, because I'm a search nerd, what are you telling me that if we get assigned, our assignment's going to be search, what are you telling me that I need to be doing? What are, what are you and I going to be doing on the search? Well, uh, first thing is, uh, you know, sizing up the building. Um, Get a mental picture of what you see outside and and translate it to what you might find inside. Um, we all make mistakes and um, I try to learn from from mistakes. Um, we had a search uh, recently um, where uh, there was a fatality fire and we didn't we didn't pick up on the clues, you know. Uh, there's a front door, front door, um, to the left of the front door was a, a bathroom. Um, after the fire was over, you look at the clues and it's a opaque window telling me it's a bathroom. There's glass on the floor, um, pushed from inside out. Right. So, um, it's easy afterwards to say, well, there's probably somebody in that bathroom who tried to get out the window and couldn't. Um, and so we, we, uh, we had a fatality fire. We didn't, we didn't find the person uh, in time. Um, did everything we were supposed to do, uh, but just missed it. And, you know, missed that clue outside uh, to tell us we need to get to this room right now because this person broke some glass interior was trying to make their way out. So that's, that's one of those outside clues that, that, um, that we're, we're trying to learn from and, and pass on to our members uh, so that we, we don't miss them. We don't have those missed opportunities. We're looking for staircases. Um, you know, there's plenty of clues on um, where a staircase is within a residence. You know, if we've got these, Victorian homes um, or, or uh, craftsman homes. If the if there's a landing window, it's on a staircase. It's you know not in line with the first and second floor windows. So that's easy for me to tell. If I've got a fourplex, um, the way that fourplex is built, um, I know the stairs are going to be the two center doors because uh, the efficiency of of keeping a staircase, you know center to that building and, and using it for the two upstairs units. Um, so we'll size things up from the outside. Um, if I'm the first new truck, I'm gonna try and get, not only am I searching for people, but I'm searching for fire too. Um, we do search in, independent of hose lines. So I'm gonna try and get uh, as deep as possible, as deep as conditions will let me. Um, if I could get some door control, uh, great. Um, we had a, we had a fire, um, I was on the truck working overtime while in the Academy up North and, uh, it was a long garden style stretch. So for us, that means two and a half and then 
ended up being, I want to say 400 feet, maybe 500 feet of two and a half. And then we, y, it was a Y operation off of that. Um, so that took time to get in place. Um, first two trucks arrived. I was a two man on the truck. Me and the captain make our way to the, the apartment. Doors open. I take a peek underneath the, the, the smoke um, level. And uh, I can see in the hallway, I can see a kitchenette to the left and I can see um, a living room to the right. Uh, we mask up. Um, we mask up and, and make our way in, uh, find the fire room. Uh, little too little too much fire for me to to uh, to get the door controlled, but that was the goal. Just make my way down to that fire room and get the door controlled. Um, once I determined that there's nobody past this this fire room, I can't control the door. So we start searching back, and we're searching uh, without a hose line. We're still waiting for that hose line to make its way uh, to the apartment. Um, the captain uh, goes right, searches the living room. Uh, I tell him going left. I search the kitchenette, and we make our way back. And at that point, um, the front door was still open. Uh, so we said, well, we just got to hunker down and wait for the hose line to arrive. Uh, closed, closed that, threw my halogen in the door and closed uh close the front door to kind of keep some door control and fi fire behavior in check in the fire apartment i could hear something on the front step and um it was a proby uh flaking out the line on the stairs second story apartment so uh did what any wily veteran would do and snatched the nozzle brought it inside and, and waited for him i didn't put it out um, we let him put him out, uh, but I definitely made him, uh, made him a little nervous about losing his nozzle. So, uh, sat there and waited and it was basically, you know, we search as much as we can do. The fire's rolling a little bit over our head. We're watching fire behavior. I got door control, feel very comfortable with, with what's going on. Um, and it was basically a fire behavior class at that point, waiting, waiting for water um so that's what we'll do is you know we'll get as deep as we can we'll um perform some door control um and search and depending on the level of experience we'll get within earshot um depending on the building we may stay closer because uh the risks involved uh on you know how big that building is or we need to be searching side by side to to make a wider swath um, and get more ground covered as we go. I love that you brought that up. It seems that um, in this day and age, when we get into camps, you're in one camp or the other, you're Republican or Democrat, you're oriented searcher, you're split. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in the belief that the officer has things you're responsible for and that's setting the tempo, the thoroughness and your, your crew integrity. Um, clearly, we're going to search faster if we can spread apart, but that just like you hit is based on experience level building uh, layout and the conditions of the fire. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I did pretty much what I, I said, I didn't, I, nothing's coming to mind other than, um, you know, that, that day there was two captains, you know, 
Um, I was a captain, you know, I'm a captain and I'm working overtime in a two man seat and my pals in, in the captain seat. We've worked together for a number of years. So there's an experience level that, um, you know, that not as much needs to be said because of uh, familiarity and running fire after fire with each other. And, um, you know, so there's, there's definitely the, the, the speed that you find in a um, veteran crew versus a, uh, you know, crew that's younger or has a younger member and more needs to be explained. And, you know, you're working, but you're also trying to, point some things out, not so much micromanage, because we definitely try not to micromanage each other. Um, um, but more more might need to be explained to a new newer member so that um, the tempo may be a little bit slower because of that. And that's why we, we try and avoid to have avoid having probationaries on the truck. Not at all possible in, in our staffing crisis. It, it happens. Uh, we just try and you know deal with the best we can. Um, so explain how that search looks different if you're the captain and your two men's out of just new out of the academy. What what are you telling them? How are you leading them? He's on my hip. Yeah, he, he's on my hip. And I'm staying orientated. Um, you know, if he's – I'm holding the hallway um, more times than not. And there's a great video. Uh, there's a great video out there. If you search up uh, Porterfield Court, you'll see – Captain Winton at the time, he decides he's got he's got a newer member as his two man uh, fire uh, first and second floor. We have been to this residence numerous times. Um, we know there's probably five or six kids that live in this residence. Uh, we don't know if anybody's still inside, right? Um, so uh, a line is stretched to the first floor. Uh, at this point, a line isn't stretched to the second floor. The truck is searching the second floor. Heavy amount of uh, fires met, meets the team in the hallway. Captain Winton at the time uh, sees an opening in a, in a room and said, you could hear it on the video, hey, I'm going to make a quick search, hold the hallway. So in that situation, he determined that the best course of action was to leave the younger guy in the hallway, have him watch the hallway. He wanted to get that room just searched as fast as he could because he knew he didn't have a whole lot of time. He gets it done and they get out of there and just in time, you know, flames are rolling overhead. They get a line put on the fire. Um, this job is situational. Um, everything is dependent on conditions. You got to have, you got to know the job inside and out and be able to have a plan B, have a plan C, have an audible to go to. Um, it's not always going to be the same. Often it's different. Often uh, things are unexpected and you try and learn from them. It's a benefit of working in a busy system though, is you can make a mistake, learn from it. And the very same day, try it again. Cause you got another opportunity. Um, so if it's, you know, the other way around, uh, if the officer and I'm the officer and I'm holding the hallway um, and I've got the younger guy and I'm I'm staying orientated, I'm sending him in the room. I might give him a peek with uh, the tick um, to give him some orientation before he goes. Um, 
I try and tell them, hey, we're not searching for car keys or the remote, right? We're searching for bodies. So just a dirty search, fast as you can. We talk about the, um, the places to find people, you know, between the wall and the bed, under the bed, on the bed, in the closets, maybe by a window, and the probabilities and all that. Um, you telling him to search with, with his hands? Yes. We don't search with tools. We search with hands. Um, if he finds another room, let me know, and I'll bump up. And then now I'll hold that room. Close the door behind us if we can and continue our, our search. Um, so there's got to be communication back and forth, the information that he sees. Uh, and as I'm watch, watching with the tick, the information I see. And awesome. but ultimately with the younger, the younger member, we're just, you want to keep them on. I want to keep them on my hip uh, as much as I can until we, you know, we, We've been to a couple fires together. We, we have a comfort level. He knows what I expect. Um, I know what he expects. It's a two-way street. Um, yeah, I think that's important. That's so cool. I think the coolest part of the conversation and getting to talk to you is, you know, everybody sees so many Stockton videos and uh, you guys are getting tons of work and you look like just cowboys out there. Uh, but when you actually get to talk to you and members of your organization, you find out that's not the case. It's, it's calculated risk. Uh, there's a method behind the madness and, and awesome training behind it. Um, when we were talking, uh, when I first ran into you, I remember having a conversation on, hey, what are you doing for your, uh, what's your first new assignment when the guys are stretching hose? Because, uh, you know, you got the mindset that, hey, these guys are getting fires all the time. Let's just copy what they do. Um, and I remember that conversation went not how I thought it would because you guys have fences in your front yards. So tell me a little bit, your guy, tell me how your, that first new stretch, who's doing what tools. Uh, and everything. Yes. So, um, so we, we had to learn, you know, how to do things differently. I talked a little bit about um, what our operation was with a four man company. Now with a three man company, um, boy, the captain's working really hard. He's, it's tough to supervise. It, it's, uh, I don't suggest it. Uh, it's not a good way to su supervise, um, especially when you have experience working with a four man company and knowing what that's like. Um, so um, what I talk about with my, um, my hoseman, my two man, is we want to address our forcible entry problem first. Our trucks are usually there pretty fast, but uh, regardless of that, our engines are there even faster. And on the engine, I've forced a ton of doors. Uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to force a ton of doors. So we're not waiting for the truck to force. Um, we, uh, and I'm talking conventionally, you know, obviously they've got big, powerful saws and everything else, right? Um, um, so we're gonna address our forcible entry problem first, right? I don't wanna get to a door or open a gate with hose on my shoulder, especially if I've got a cross country carry where I've got two accordion stacks. Our goal is to keep that stacked squarely on our shoulder, so that we can flake as we go and manage our hose. Um, if I have to bend over or turn rapidly one way or the other to force a door, then I run risk of screwing up my stretch. So what we talk about is deal with that forcible entry problem first, 
address your objective. That's another principle that we have that we use with all, all the time. Step off the rig, address your objective. If you're making the stretch, clear your path. If you've got a fence to open up, go open that up, chalk it open. If you've got a door to force, go force that. Um, I'm not going to take your, take your line. And, you know, I want you, I want the hoseman to, to make the stretch and get on the nozzle. Um, that's not my job. Um, so I stay in my lane um, unless, unless there's more fire than that line, you know, can handle. So, um, so the two man will open up a gate, get it propped open, force the door, door control, go back, make the stretch. And if we're going above ground, we're going to stretch for as dry as conditions will allow. Um, that gets the nozzle in position the fastest. And I think that's something that sets us apart is uh, the, the time that we, we get water on the fire in our department. I, I feel like we do a, a pretty good job at, at getting fast water in play. Um, it's ultimately, I think, what, what keeps us safest because we're mitigating that problem at its smallest potential. Um, and uh, yeah, so the two man will address his forcible entry problems first, get gates open, get doors open, then and then make the stretch. He's he 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 uh, he's doing two jobs back there. He's the forcible entry firefighter and he's the nozzle firefighter. He's got to do both. One can't come before the other. Uh, you got to get to the fire before you can make the stretch. So that's why we we talk about that. Yeah, I love uh, I love talking to you, finding everything out about. Stockton and then you know I think the real the real big key takeaway is is when you look to see when somebody's doing something good you got to ask what the uh, what the environment that they're doing it in and don't just ask how how they do it but why they do it because uh, it may be applicable in your department and it may not be applicable in your department but I think that that's a huge question uh, that she that you can't miss um, so if people want to get a hold of you for, for, uh, you know, any more, find out any more information, uh, come, have you come out and teach or do anything like that? What's the easiest way for them to do that? Uh, it, they can email me, uh, at L four, five, six, Jake, J A K E at yahoo.com. Um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Um, you can look me up on Instagram. It's X R I C C I, uh, 19. And, uh, yeah, just reach out. Um, I've, I've got a, um, a group of veterans that love to teach and, um, we have a, a group of young members that are eager to learn, um, and teach. And, um, uh, we try and mix the two. Um, we've got, uh, a bunch of guys that get out and teach, uh, we go to Fresno, I think for probably the last 10 years, maybe we've been going to Fresno for the symposium down there. Um, Coy has been out on the circuit for a long time, going to FDIC and teaching. Um, he slowed down a little bit now uh, towards the end of his career, but uh, we got guys like uh, Patrick McKeegan that loves teaching, Devin Robeson, um, teaches uh, at a local academy and, and travels with us all over. Um, so there's plenty of guys that, uh, are excited about sharing, sharing our culture. Well, it's a real cool culture. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing all that. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we get off today? 
Yeah, something I'd like to add is um, we had a member murdered uh, January 31st of this year. Uh, is uh, nothing anybody wants to go through, but we had unbelievable support by uh, members uh, across the country, uh, CPF, the international, um, local departments, um, the, uh, members that left our department uh, came back and stood our department up um, in um, staffing an engine uh, so we could grieve for over two weeks, I believe it was. Um, and then the day of the funeral, uh, our entire department had the day off um, and was allowed to grieve and, and say goodbye to Max. Um, so I just want to thank uh, everybody that contributed to that. Um, and uh and yeah just put that out there that so today we're we're going to the san francisco giants game san francisco giants are also going to honor max and becky and the kids are going to be able to throw out the first pitch today um and uh hopefully there's a couple other surprises uh but uh we've got over 380 members and family attending the game today uh in section 142 and 141 um and uh, we're just going to celebrate Max today. So I want to thank everybody for their support and uh, in supporting Max's family and our organization. That's awesome. Thanks for uh, talking me into doing this. I know it took a while. Uh, not my favorite thing to do, I think. But once you get me started, I think I uh, feel comfortable enough. But I feel so fortunate to have conversations with just absolute world-class firemen. Uh, that are into the job and, and in this day and age, we can just record it and share it with other people, which is so cool because uh, not everybody has those same opportunities. And again, I'm, I'm grateful to have gotten to meet you, to have gotten to have some good conversations and, and call you a friend now. I like, like texting back and forth and sharing what you find and what I find. And we're both fire yeah. manual nerds and that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. One day, I'll, one day I'll make it out there and come for a visit. You got an open invitation uh, to come right around Engine 9. That's awesome. All right, Javier. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, until next time, that's it for the journeyman.